Well, if you would, find Nehemiah chapter 1 in your Bible. And as you're making your way to Nehemiah 1, just a quick reminder that if you would like to have a bulletin, they are in our main lobby each and every Sunday. So grab one on your way in or on your way out each week. Our prayer list is printed in there. So we want to encourage you to be praying for those who are on our prayer list and be praying for Chris Burgess specifically. She's back in the hospital this morning with more complications. So be praying for her specifically. So make sure you write that down, that she's not at home. She is back in the hospital today. But this morning we're starting a brand new series called Build and Defend. And this entire series is going to come from the first six chapters of this wonderful book here in the Old Testament called Nehemiah. And so we're going to We're going to be reading and studying through these chapters, and I would encourage you in your own personal time to read through these chapters as we progress through this series. And today, we're going to focus in and be uh, looking at chapter one specifically. And as we begin our time this morning together, I have one question that I want you to consider and ponder as we begin our time together. And the question is is simple. It is, have you ever had a deep burden for something? Maybe you look around and you ask the question of, can things get better? Can things in the world get better? Can things in my own life and in my own family, can can they change? Can they really change? With so many negative things going on around us, do we ever stop and consider a solution? Have you ever had a deep burden for something? There are so many things this morning that burden my heart. And if you could switch places with me this morning and you were to stand and you were to be the preacher, you would probably echo some of the same things that I'm going to mention this morning that burden my heart and they would probably be things that you identify deeply with this morning. The first thing that burdens my heart is my own sin. The sin that's inside of me, it burdens me because I hate who I happen to be so often more often than I really would like to admit. I'm burdened by sin's power and its effect on my heart. A burden on my heart would be my family. Raising Jesus-loving children, teaching them the things that actually matter in this life and not the temporal things that blow away like grass that's cut. You know, I, I just, I, it burdens my heart deeply to teach my children things that actually matter. You know what else burdens my heart? Our lost people. People who do not know the the power of the gospel and what it truly does in the heart of a human being. for, For my own family members who are lost, for friends that I have, coworkers that I had in the past, the people in our community that are lost and they're bound for an eternity in a place called hell, I I have a burden in my heart for those people. I have a burden in my heart for our church's future. That we don't just become a memorial for the past, but that we we stay laser-focused on the mission that Jesus Christ has called each and every one of us to be involved in. I have a deep burden for the future of this church. 
I have a burden for broken marriages and families. I have a burden for the sin that fathers allow into their homes. And they don't pay attention and they're not noticing all of the things that are going on that is shredding the family. I have a burden for that. I have a burden for leadership issues in the church. I have a burden for this community specifically. There's over 115,000 people in this county, 30,000 plus in the city limits of Worcester. I have a deep burden in my heart for those people. Pastor Pete Wilson asked this question about 10 years ago at a conference that I went to, and the question was, what keeps you up at night? Those things keep me up at night. I carry those, those burdens in my heart. And so in just a few moments, we're gonna, we're gonna take this question of having a deep burden to a whole new level, and we're gonna ask you to specifically think about the burdens of your own heart. Before we do that, though, I wanna talk a little about the history in Nehemiah. During Nehemiah's time, Nehemiah was, he was an extraordinary leader, and he did unbelievable things, but there's something that I, that I think will connect to to you this morning that really resonated with me, and that's the fact that in this book, there are zero miracles. There's no, there's no miraculous moment in this book. It's just someone doing the work that God had called them to do. It's a story about hard work and vision and discipline and a lot of great things. But this story takes place in the, after the Jewish exile, if you know your Old Testament. It's about 605 BC, and the Babylonians had invaded Judah. So if you would maybe picture modern-day Israel on the map, you've got Egypt to the south, you've got Iraq to the east. Uh, this, was, um, this was the top half. There was the top half and the bottom half of Israel the northern and the southern kingdom. So they, the Babylonians, had invaded the southern kingdom, or what was called Judah. Maybe you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, and those guys. This was the time that they were taken into captivity and put to work for King Nebuchadnezzar. So for about 70 years, this is where they found themselves, in captivity. Temple worship was pretty much shut down. Uh, It would have been their church of their day. They had lost their identity as a nation. We could talk about that as well this morning. But for 70 years or so, it goes by, and the Persians conquer Babylon. And Cyrus the Great, he asks the question of his leaders. He's like, why are there so so many Jews scattered all over the place? So he made a proclamation that all of these Jews were to return home back to Jerusalem, back to Israel. But when they returned home, things did not go very well for them. They struggled to get things going again, and they met some opposition. So for about 90 years, they struggle. And this is where we meet Nehemiah. And he's working Uh, for King Artaxerxes in Persia. And we find here in this book, it's kind of a, I guess you could say a journal entry for Nehemiah. 
And there are some wonderful things here. So if you take notes, this passage of Scripture is going to be something that you are going to mark up like crazy. So let's start reading together in verse 1 here in Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakiah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev, which is November, December time of the year for us. And that's important because this is history. And so this is important in the timeline of what we're going to see. In the 20th year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. So maybe, maybe they were asking questions like, how's it going? Uh, are we a nation again? Has worship been restored? Maybe those were some questions that were swirling around at this time. But verse 3 says, And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are destroyed by fire. Now, the wall was a really big deal during this time in history. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But verse 4 continues. As soon as I, Nehemiah speaking, heard these words, I sat down and wept. He didn't write a check. He didn't complain about it on Facebook. His heart was broken. He wept. It did something to him. He says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, and then he journals this prayer for us. Oh, Lord God of heaven. The great and awesome God who keeps covenant. He's reminding God of his promises. And steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He's addressing here this, this Old Testament principle of there are blessings when we follow the commands of God. It was a conditional relationship. Here are my laws. When you obey, Things go well for you, and when you don't, well, things don't go so well for you. That's what we see here. Verse 6, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. So basically he's saying we deserve, we deserve what's happened to us. We broke the agreement that you, you made with us. That's basically what he's saying here. Verse 8, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. Now he's reminding God of what God said again. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples, which is what we see right here. There are people in Susa. They're all over the place. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your, out, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed. Moses, the plagues, all of that. By your great power 
and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. And then he asks for something very specific. And give success to your servant today and grant him mercy inside of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah has it made. (laughs) He's cupbearer to the king. I guess you could say he might have it made unless somebody's trying to kill the king and then it's a pretty bad deal. But Nehemiah, he's got a pretty cushy life. Yes, he's a servant to the king, but he lives in the palace. He eats the king's food. He drinks the king's wine. He has servants. He's, he's got a pretty cushy life living there in Persia in Susa. He had no reason to leave his position, but something burdens his heart. Something he can't ignore, and he's about to ask the king here in just a few minutes, which we're not going to get to this week. You'll have to come back next week to hear that part. He's about to ask the king for an indefinite leave of absence and return to Jerusalem to help his people. See, when Nehemiah saw something that was broken, he paid attention. And when it comes to the things that burden us, we must pay attention. It's that, it's that tension that's inside of us. Pastor Andy Stanley says that we need to pay attention to the tension. That there is a tension inside of each and every one of us. And in Nehemiah 4, it says that he breaks down and he weeps when he hears that Jerusalem and all their walls had been destroyed. And why did that upset him, though? Like, why is that so upsetting? Why would that cause anyone to break down and weep and mourn for days because walls were important during that day. They're not very essential to us, but for them, they were kind of like what an electrical power grid or the police force is to us. We need law enforcement to keep the peace and provide protection. The same is true for city walls during this time in history. They offered safety for the men and women and children in the city from attacks from the enemies. And the Jews had plenty of enemies. City walls were also a symbol of of strength and prosperity and peace. So Nehemiah was deeply grieved about the condition of his city because it revealed the condition of his people. But if you read, you find there that he didn't just complain. That after this initial grief, he prays and he pours out his heart to God and then he looks for ways to fix the issue. And we're going to talk about that as well next week. It may be hard to see at first glance, but this really has so much to do with us today. We have so much to learn from this this section of verses, and I pray that you will pay very close attention to the words of God and his voice and his spirit as it leads in your heart. Look back at verse four again. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. He stopped And I think you should write that down in your Bible somewhere. He stopped. He stopped moving. He silenced the noise and he wept. He allowed this burden of his heart to to get in there and do something. He mourns and he fasts and he prays. And if we're paying attention, there should be things in our life and in our world 
and in our community that produce that same reaction in us. So what has that effect on you? What keeps you up at night? Have you heard any news lately that causes you to to stop and pray? Does anything that matters to our God in this world matter to you? Because believers who act on burdens make a difference. I've heard some of the things, and I've shared some of the things that weigh heavy on my heart, but what burdens your heart? What needs to be done around you? And if nothing immediately comes to mind, take some time to pray and identify what is is breaking and causing this deep burden on your heart, or should be. And maybe you don't care. It's probably not that God hasn't burdened your heart with something. It may be that you just don't care. More likely, maybe you're just so focused on self and getting what you want. You're so focused on you And that's the problem. Maybe that should be what you identify as a heartbreaking thing today, is your self-centeredness. So I'd recommend that you go back and you listen to that sermon on apathy that I gave a few months ago from Revelation 2 and 3. God doesn't like it when we're apathetic. Maybe you have an addiction to self. It could be that maybe you are neglecting to spiritually be a leader. But here's what we know. God uses people who have a burden. What if Nehemiah hadn't acted on the burden that God had put on his heart? And so most of you know this story, but for those of you who don't, we'll see that Nehemiah did, did act on the burden of his heart. And he did bring hope and security and strength back to the city of Jerusalem and the people. And it also helped prepare the city and the nation and the world for Jesus who was going to come over 400 years from this point. You see, believers who act on burdens, they make a difference. The things that burden our hearts, they show who or what we worship. Nehemiah makes it a priority to worship God. Verse five, and I said, O God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have to make God our priority. We have to put our hearts in alignment with his heart. When starting off and and acting on your burden, don't make the mistake of charging on ahead without acknowledging the one whose help we need. The one who is the promise keeper and who inspired or called you in the first place to act on this burden. And while we're acknowledging him, we need to examine our own hearts. We see this process that Nehemiah goes through. There's a burden on his heart. He worships God, but he also recognizes that there's this issue that got this nation into this mess in the first place, and it's the same issue in his own heart, and it's the issue of sin. 
We know it's there. Verse 6, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. The effect of sin on our world and the people that we love is often a big reason why we have a burden for something in the first place. Think of things like abuse and neglect. Sin is at fault for the issues that we see in our world. Sin was at fault for the condition that Jerusalem was in. And for us, we've seen sin's influence in our families and in our relationships and in our workplaces and in our churches and in our our community. I mean, if you think about the drug abuse that you've seen devastate the life of someone in your family or a friend that you care about deeply, it makes you want to fight harder against addiction issues, right? I mean, or the spiritual or the financial poverty that you see on a mission trip, it makes us want to get involved with those missionaries and the the ministry that they're providing in those areas. And when applicable, we must own our own part in those situations. And we must confess it and remember that God will forgive and he will redeem. Verse 10, they are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. So we have to remember the Lord first. We have to pray. We have to ask for God to bless our efforts as we act on the burdens that he's put on our heart. And then we go for it. That's exactly what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah wasn't a preacher. Nehemiah wasn't a missionary. Nehemiah wasn't a prophet. He wasn't Moses. He wasn't Abraham. He didn't, he didn't believe that he was going to go down and as, as a hero of the faith. He had a burden. And when you truly have a burden for something, it doesn't matter who gets the credit or if you go down in history, you want to fix something that's broken. And so Nehemiah was truly laser focused on his relationship with God. And God gave him a burden and he did something with it. And the good news is we have Nehemiahs in the room today. Maybe you don't know it yet. This church is sitting here because people acted on burdens. Maybe, just maybe, you're sitting in this room today as a Christ follower because someone who had a deep burden for you cared enough about you 
to share the gospel with you. And your life has been changed because somebody acted on a burden. You see, believers who act on burdens, they make a difference. And so I want you to identify what burdens your heart. What's burdening your heart today? Do you have a heart for kids? Then maybe it's being a foster parent. Or maybe it's serving in that place here to the north that nobody wants to go serve in. Maybe it's that. Do you have a burden for kids? Do you want to see middle and high schoolers grow in their faith? Because they're at a vital time in their faith journey right now. And you've got some experience and you've got some some history. You've made some mistakes and, and you desperately want to see teenagers live a different life. Maybe they're a burden. Maybe you need to see how you could help with Elevate. Maybe you want to be involved in the spiritual growth of adults. So maybe you should get involved in our adult small groups. Or maybe you should set aside time each week to have coffee with someone and and disciple them. Do you have a heart for missions or this community? Maybe you should find out how you can partner with local ministries and connect with global missionaries. Maybe it's helping with people-to-people ministries or uh, the Pregnancy Care Center or, or doing something with the Brenners or the Yaters or, or the Winklewitches. I don't know, but is there a burden that God has put on your heart for missions? Maybe you have a gift that you can't necessarily use inside these four walls. How sad is it if our collective talents only affected what happens inside this building? I know a college professor who is usually in this room who has a burden for sharing the gospel with students and is currently discipling one of them each and every week. I know some men in this room who love cars and they're gearheads and they love engines and they use their time and their talents and their treasures to reach out to people who are far from God and they use their love for engines as a tool. I know some women in this room who got together and showered love on an unsaved mom who was sick with cancer and they provided meals and childcare and they sat with her before her surgery and during her treatments. Have you been blessed financially? Maybe you know a single mom who doesn't have any money and you can give her a gift card to Bueller's to buy some groceries or pay for her car to have an oil change. Do you love sports? Maybe you should be a coach that makes a lasting impact on the lives of the students and those players. I can't wait to hear what other ideas come out of your small group discussions this week because it's one of your questions, hint, hint. But what burden has God laid on your heart? I listed mine and that's just some of them. What are yours? Would anything go on that list? Or are you too busy? Are you too spiritual? Pastor Lane Jones says, personal ministry positions us to experience God's faithfulness in response to our acts of faith and to experience God's power in our weakness. 
Believers who act on burdens make a difference. Now, we don't know because God didn't tell us. If Nehemiah would have ignored that burden of his heart, would the city walls around Jerusalem been restored? Would temple worship, would it have taken off again? Maybe? I don't know. Is there something that keeps you up at night? Is there a burden on your heart that forces you to your knees? And only you can answer that question. I don't want your burden to be my burden. But what I do know, the common thread for all of us is people. People should be the greatest burden of our hearts. And we should live for the Lord and honor him and please him and live for him and strive to look more like Jesus as we just sang a few moments ago. And when we do that, and then we act on our burdens, it has purpose, and it has meaning. If you would, just in the silence of the moment, bow your head and close your eyes. I feel like I have to preface that every time with there's nothing powerful about the moment where you close your eyes in a surface. But what I'm desperate for in my own life is for the noise to be silenced a little bit. And so that question that I asked earlier on in this message of what burdens your heart, I really want you to consider that question today. Because if believers who act on burdens make a difference and God uses people then what burden are you acting on? What burden has God given you that you're praying about? That you're asking God to help you navigate? And what are you going to do about it? Maybe you're in that group this morning who your burden is yourself and yourself alone. And maybe you just need to repent give your heart to the Savior, surrender to him, and ask him what it is he's calling you to do. Because Nehemiah didn't have to go back to Jerusalem and work and rebuild the city walls and bring security back to that place. He didn't have to. But what if he wouldn't have? And without sounding too fluffy, what hangs in the balance today if you don't act on the burden that God has put on your heart? Fathers, your families should be a burden to you and you should, you should stand against the attacks of hell that are on your family each and every day. There are people who are dying and slipping into an eternity in hell And they need the Savior. And are we living a lifestyle that points people to the Savior? So what burdens your heart?
What's that tension inside of you that you need to pay attention to? What keeps you up at night? And act on that. Heavenly Father, we, we truly are nothing without you. And so Lord, as we look at this story of your servant, Nehemiah, we see someone who saw a need and acted on a need. But he just didn't take off running. He prayed. He remembered who he was and what he has in you. And he worked in your power and with your strength and with your direction. So God, as we start this simple series of teachings in this wonderful book that you've so graciously inspired and given to us, God, I pray that we would be challenged, that we would be encouraged, and that we would act on the burdens that you've given us, and that we would make a difference, not for our own kingdom, but for your kingdom. That we would, that we would teach, that we would coach, that we would preach, that we would do our job on Monday, because people matter. Lord, I pray that we would live to please you and you alone. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Well, I appreciate you all being here this morning. Thank you so much for singing with us and for being a part of this service. I hope that you have a wonderful week and we will see you all next Sunday. Have a good day.